I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. My guest for today's episode is Megan Hillica, and we're going to be discussing a really important topic today that, frankly, I don't think gets enough airtime, but it is a sensitive topic, and it might be triggering for some of you. So I just wanted to drop in here before we start, just to give you a heads up. Megan Hillica is a bereaved mother. She has seven children. And she has a daughter who died at 15 months old. And through this interview, Megan, so beautifully and with so much vulnerability, really shares her experience of child loss and navigating through grief. In this episode, we talk about processing and moving through grief. We talk about mindfulness practices to help women who've experienced loss and grief connect with their emotions. And we talk about the steps to really start the process of healing. Like I said before, this is a really important conversation to have. I think whether you've experienced deep grief and loss yourself, or maybe you're walking alongside someone, maybe it's a family member, a friend, spouse, who's experiencing loss and grief. And with that, we just wanted our listeners, all of you, to just be aware of what we're discussing today. I'm really believing that you're all going to learn something today. I'm believing that we're going to be better equipped just to love the people in our lives. We're going to grow in our compassion and just our awareness of some of the things that other people are going through. In its own way, this has been one of my favorite interviews because through um, the pain of deep grief, really experiencing something that I think is probably one of all of our worst nightmares, right? The loss of a child. But through that deep grief, the joy that you're going to feel from Megan, the uh, there's the beauty and the light that she's shining is really, truly inspiring. Welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast, a live workshop style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. 
There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things. Parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home. And what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Megan Hillica is a bereaved mother. She's a beautiful soul, seven children, and her daughter, Aria, passed away at 15 months old. Megan encourages and supports grieving mothers. She really helps them to understand that through the worst thing that's happened to them, their life isn't over. She's the creator of a space called Grieving Moms Haven, where she helps moms learn how to process and move through the emotions of grief through meditation, tapping meditations, breath work, and other mindfulness practices. Grieving Moms Haven also provides a place of safety and compassion within grief so that these moms can feel themselves again and hope for their future. And if you're listening to this today in real time, she actually has this beautiful program that she's running um, shortly now before the holidays, before Thanksgiving and Christmas, just to help equip and encourage grieving moms through the holidays. So you'll want to make sure that you tune in to the end of the episode to learn more about that. But for now, I hope you're touched by this conversation with Megan Hillica. Megan, welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. I'm excited that you're here today. I'm believing there are women who are going to be encouraged and find hope today. So welcome. Thank you, Michelle. I am so excited to be here. And I always say, like, I'm so excited to talk about grief, but also like it's kind of silly and funny like to say I'm excited about it but there's so much I think we can learn about grief and to talk about grief and even like I appreciate you opening up your platform and your space to hold this conversation because it's so so needed and so important yeah absolutely I agree um and I just like we haven't even started talking yet and I already just admire your vulnerability and just taking up this space for the benefit of all of the listeners. It's beautiful and powerful just to even witness it as an outsider. So I'm grateful for you. But before we kind of jump into what it is that you're teaching and encouraging people about, tell us a little bit just about your your story really and, and how it ended up where you're at today and what in the work that you're doing. Yeah. So it's been um, almost or over six years. So May of 2016, I was pregnant with our fourth child. I was 36 weeks pregnant. Um, and then in the morning, I found my third daughter. She had died in the night. Um, so I was pregnant and then dealing with a daughter who had died. And it's just something that you never expect. Mm-hmm. Um, we never expect our children to die. We never expect was so sudden, so unexpected. So, you know, like we didn't have a chance to say goodbye. It was just all of a sudden she's gone. And it's, it's not something that like we even really allow ourselves to think about, you know, cause it goes so against the natural way of 
life. You know, we're supposed to bury our parents and um, it's supposed to go that way. It's not supposed to go the other way. And I, I just, I didn't know how to deal with it. It was so painful so much. Um, I had never really had a big grief in my life um, up until that point. I was 23 years old. And then um, four weeks after she died, I had another baby. So it was just a lot emotionally and physically and mentally. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD um, from finding her. And then my trauma and my trigger was sleep. And then I have a newborn who sleeps, you know, 24 seven. So it was just like, it's just something I, I can't even describe, like the depth of pain and the grief and then the duration mm. of how long it lasts. Um, I kind of had this vision right away. It was like, okay, I just want to get to the other side of grief. Yeah. I just want to, like, I want to do this in a way where, you know, I'm not grieving. This was my thoughts, you know, in, in the beginning was like, well, first of all, I wanted to go to sleep and I wanted to wake up on the other side. I was like, I just, I, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't, it's too painful, too much. Like, even to the point where I had thoughts of wishing that my daughter was never born. So I wouldn't have to go through this pain of grief and loss um, where now I'm so grateful she was born, but it's just those kind of thoughts of like, Oh my gosh, this is way too much for anybody to go through. And um, just that, like not wanting to deal with it. And I, I thought that if I, you know, do the work, I'll, I'll get to this magical place on the other side where I've kind of dealt with grief. Mm. and I've learned as, you know, I've gone through this whole process and grieving is that grief is lifelong. It's not something that you necessarily get to the other side. Um, it changes and where I'm at in my grief, I'm very happy with, and I, and I feel very happy and joyful in my life, but it's, I still grieve. I still carry grief. It's with me the rest of my life. And so that surprised me so much, um, because I had, you know, thoughts in my head beforehand of other people of like, you know, thinking that they were over it or thinking, you know, they're moving on kind of like, I didn't understand the depth, like how deep it is and how long it lasts and that it's lifelong and it's so painful. And it's, you just, your mind is always on them all the time, whether you have a smile on your face or whether you're laughing or whether you're, you know, in a room full of people yeah. and you look fine to other people you're thinking about your child who died and you know, all the other layers that come with it, the trauma and the, the pain and the, so many things. It's just, yeah, I, I did not ask for it and I didn't expect it. And it, it just, yeah, it happened to us. And now, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, that That's kind of the beginning of our story. Yeah. Wow. So just for reference, how many years ago was that? So that was six years in May. Okay. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine. Tell me a little bit about when you realized that that grief journey wasn't going to be what you were hoping for, or what you thought. And like, how did that transition go? Is it that you had professional help? Is it, was it just like your, like what caused your paradigm, your mindset about the grief process to kind of shift? Yeah. First, the first thing, the very first thing I remember is like when I wanted to just go to, I didn't want to deal with it. I wanted to go to sleep. Like I had this vision of like, 
this big black dark tunnel ahead of me. And I was like, I don't want to go through this. I want to wake up on the other side of the tunnel. Yeah. And um, another mom who had lost her daughter had told me that you can't do that. You have to walk through the tunnel. You have to go through it. There's just no way around it. No matter how much we want to, mm-hmm. that's just not an option. So that to me was also eye-opening of like, okay, I want to allow myself to grieve. I want to go through this and hold the space for it. Um, I did go to therapy and for me, that was life-changing yeah. um, because I did EMDR for my trauma and it's a night and day difference in my life. Wow. Um, like literally when I think about how I was with the trauma, it, it can make me start bawling. Like it's so painful and so like, I'm so sad for that part of my life. Yeah. And then I'm also so grateful that I sought help and got the help I needed fairly quickly, like very quickly in, you know, within five months I was doing EMDR and it just, to be able to heal that trauma as fast as possible so that I don't have to live with it, you know, shorten the duration of the time I have to live with it. I'm so, so grateful because it's horrific and, I, I feel like it would have killed me. The trauma would have. Yeah. And um, so just that I, I did go to therapy. Um, I felt like therapy helped to me the most with the trauma part of it mm-hmm. and also beginning to connect with my body um, because part of the trauma, like the EMDR was really feeling, what was I feeling in my body? What was I, what sensations was I noticing? And then I also have done different, um, like life coaching style, things like, so like, I I think of it as combining bottom up processing with top down processing. Mm -hmm. And so using both of those and then coming to a place of like, okay, I want to help people, but how do I help them? Yeah. I was like, the only thing people want is their child back. How am I supposed to help somebody? You know, that's all they want. And the, the thing that came to me was as I, you know, have been voicing this and speaking it and like really like I felt like there's like this layer of like okay processing the trauma processing grief and then looking at it for, it's like a deeper layer of like hey okay, how can I help others and and teach about it in a way that supports others and that has really shown me on such a deep level that grief doesn't go away mm-hmm. um and to have compassion for that and there's nothing wrong with it yeah um like to know that the waves of grief will come your whole life. And when they come, they're like right away, you're like, oh my gosh, these waves of grief are coming. I don't want them. They're panicky. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a little bit of a cough too. But um, you get panicky and like, no, I don't want this here. It shouldn't be here. This grief is not supposed to be here. Yeah. And then as time goes on or time doesn't really count. It's like, as the process goes on for you, wherever that is, um, you begin to learn that those waves are supposed to come. There's nothing wrong with the waves Mm. there. There's nothing, nothing has gone wrong because a wave is coming again. It's supposed to be there. And when you know that those waves are supposed to be there and they will come the rest of your life, Mm. it becomes easier to accept them and ride them Mm. instead of like fighting them. 
Yeah. So that's been like a very eye-opening for me of like, you know, any, t- you know, for holidays and which is coming up right now, you know, and death dates and anniversaries. I'm like, the emotion is supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. If there's emotion, it's fine, but we're so scared of what emotion we're going to feel. Yeah that it just makes it even bigger. But if we can just be with the emotion without judgment, it actually makes it lighter. And so I I don't know specifically like when that shifted for me, but it's just been a process of like going through therapy, going through the coaching model, and then going through really bottom up processes mm-hmm. and learning all sorts of things like meditation and mindfulness practices that really, I feel like it's just kind of rounded out my whole experience and cemented my knowledge and like knowing that you can get to a place of really, I don't even know what to call it. It's not like stable in grief. It's like, it's not healed in grief because you're not healed, but like really content in your life and happy and joyful and you're grieving. Yeah. They're both true. And in the beginning, it's only grief. Mm-hmm. And then you can hold space for more and for both of mm-hmm. them. And so to me, that feels really good because I don't ever want to stop grieving. Yeah. I don't ever want to forget her. My grief is a reminder that she lived and that she's a part of our life. Yeah. And that, you know, as time goes on, it can be like, oh, was she even real? Oh, did yeah. that even happen? You know, like, did I imagine that? And when you feel that grief and that pain, you're like, she did exist and she did matter. And I do love her and I still miss her. And so it's just, there's nothing wrong with the grief. I don't need to get rid of it. It's okay that it's there. It's kind of like it honors her in a way. Yeah. And that's kind of how I like teach moms now is like, when you take care of your grief, it's a way you can take care of your child Mm. and honor the grief instead of shoving it away you can hold that space for them yeah and really carry them forward with you yeah and like you said just greeting it with so much compassion mm-hmm. yeah yeah wow for the people listening who maybe aren't familiar or don't know never heard of emdr and maybe some of the other things that really have helped you in this grief journey um can you just give us a little bit of background on on what that is and how you mm-hmm. found it to really be so helpful Yeah, so EMDR is specifically used for trauma and PTSD. Um, It's called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And what it is, this is like my really simplified version of how I think it works, you know, or how my therapist described it to me and how I make it like, so trauma, when you think of trauma, um, your brain, you have your left and right hemisphere in your brain and (laughs) that trauma, whatever it was, kind of snapped those um, connections between your right and left brain. They're really actually like very detailed, you know, like different types of amygdala and different parts of your brain, but I just make it simple Mm. Um, that those connections, they're not able to communicate your right side and your left side. Mm. And it's important for your right side and left side to communicate because, you know, when one state you're able to be like in fight or flight and like doing, taking the actions you need to in one state, you're able to be calm Mm -hmm. and, you know, safe and, you know, grounded when you, when they aren't able to communicate, when you're stuck in that fight or flight, this is like trauma. You're not able to calm down. Mm -hmm. You're not able to, your body is in a constant state of stress. 
Um, your body reacts without your choice. Your heart's just a pound. You have a panic attack. You have visions in your mind, whatever it is, like you don't have any control over that. Yeah. And so what EMDR does is helps rebuild those connections in your brain from your right side to your left side, helps turn on the parts of your brain that shut off. Mm. And um, what they do, so what we did, other people have done, will do like eye movements. That's like, you know what it is. Um, but I'm, I really liked the buzzer. So I had a buzzer in my left hand and my right hand. What it does is stimulates your right side and your left side back and forth. So it just buzzes back and forth. So it's really stimulating your, you know, right side of your brain and left side of your brain while you process different emotion and memories. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't start with, you know, the most traumatic memories we started with, like, which was super interesting to me, you know, he would be like, okay, so notice that panic in your body. When was that first time ever in your life that you felt this way back? Yeah. And he's like, don't try to like, you know, think of something, just let your, it will come to you. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to me, you know, two different situations that I had in my life um, that I didn't even know were traumatic to me or that I had that emotion. Um, They came up and I was like, well, of course they were traumatic, but I was a little kid and I didn't know, you know, I was just like, wow, okay, well, I'm good. You know, like, yeah, but those came up and in my body doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. There's a book, The Body Keeps a Score by Dr. Bessel A. Vanderkalk, which is a really good book. And your body doesn't forget, you know, even if you try to forget. And that's the thing with trauma. Even if we're, we are try to be like, oh, well, I'm all good. You know, I'm just going to move on. And it, no. you can't, your body's not going to let you because it's still in your body. Mm-hmm. And so the EMDR buzzers back and forth. And I thought of them as like rebuilding that connection in my brain. So I would it really helped me stop the physical symptoms of PTSD, that emotional charge of panic and terror and stress, um, the fear of my other children dying. Um, my trigger was sleep and like, I couldn't, I literally could not leave my daughter for like one minute. I always had to have my hand on her belly, make sure she was breathing and I can leave my kids now. Wow. Like I don't check on them at night before I'd wake my husband up many times a night, you know, can you go check on them? I we'd drive in the car and we'd have to stop and turn the light on every five minutes. So I could check on every single kid and make sure they're all still alive. Um, like it's hard to describe the terror of living like that. And then now, like I've none of that. Wow. None. And that's how powerful EMDR can be. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes we think that this is just the way I live now. You know, I just jump at loud noises. I, I just have panic attacks. I just, um, this is just my life. You know, I have, I have this big, huge ball of stress in my chest. This is just normal. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be normal. Wow. Um, so EMDR was life-changing for me in that way. And I would highly recommend it to anyone. If you do go to look for um, a therapist who does EMDR, I would encourage you to find a therapist who does not force you to do anything that you don't want to do to let you be the guide in your own journey. And they're walking with you Mm -hmm. Um, where like 
my therapist never told me, you know, what memory to do or where we're going or what we're doing, but it's just what's coming up for you today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very, very important with the trauma yeah. part of it. So that would just be my recommendation for somebody else who's seeking and especially for trauma and EMDR. I'm like, please go get help. Go get it because you don't have to keep living this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. You know, to live through the loss of a child is, is one thing. And then to have to do it as a wife and a mom, it's another thing. I'm sure just, you know, there's still people that are counting on you. You still have a marriage um, to show up for, which can be really hard when things are going well. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine with, with the, with the grief on top of it all for people who are listening, who've, who've gone through maybe something similar or have experienced a deep grief. um, What would you say to them as far as just like the, the patience or compassion or whatever with their partner, with their children, um, just how, how maybe just how your journey has been in those avenues or whatever you would just share with them. Yeah. The very first thing I'd say in relation to this is like to take care of yourself first. Okay. Um, take care of your needs and your grief and your, because you cannot show up for your children and your husband and the people you love to like in the way you can't, if you are falling apart yourself, like do as much as you can to care for yourself. Like for example, for with kids, kids can share really painful things that are triggering to the parents to hear. Mm. Um, They can share stories. They can talk about things. They can talk about, you know, the death and the way it happened. Um, And it can be super painful for the mom or dad to hear. But the one thing that I've thought is if I take care of myself and I like, process that and hold space for me in that, then I'm able to hold the space for them to be able to share because they need to. And it's really important that they have that safe and compassionate space Mm -hmm. to share and that where you're not being triggered and, you know, like shutting down the conversation because it's too painful for you. And then the other thing with kids in particular is like, you don't have to do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. Get outside help, um, get help for you for your husband, if you will, but also, you know, get your kids help, um, in whatever way that is for you. Our kids went to play therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, we really, really liked it, but like lean on those resources that help you not have to, like, you don't have to be the only one who can help them with their grief. Let other people step in and help too. So in specifically relation to the kids, um, with the spouse, it's, Oh, one more thing about the kids. Um, I was very surprised. Like after Aria died, I was like, I'm going to be the best mom. I know what it's like, you know, to bury a child. I I know what it's like to say goodbye. How could I ever get angry at my kids again? How could I ever, you know, whatever. And I was actually surprised how angry I was a lot. I was very snappy. I was very stressed out. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I have grief and trauma. Right. Um, but like, I didn't expect that. I thought that I would be a, a quote unquote better mom, Mm -hmm. but I actually became more stressed out, more angry, more snappy, less patient, 
uh, way more disconnected from them. And it's all because of the trauma and the grief. And so when I can take care of that trauma and grief, I'm able to connect with them more mm-hmm. and be with them more and be present with them more. Then my husband, like they always say that a marriage is like, it's a very high percentage of marriages that fall apart after your child dies. And it is one of the most challenging things you can ever go through. It's so hard, especially when you feel like you're grieving differently. Um, you're on different tracks. You show your emotions differently. Um, the way I described it for me, my husband was like, we would just try to connect, you know, doing these things to connect. And we just kept missing each other. We, we could not connect. We could never be on the same page, never meet each other where we're at. Um, partly in, in my belief for myself, I think trauma disconnects you. Um, it disconnects you from the feeling of love and connection and safety and peace. And so I couldn't find that in myself either. Um, but also just because it's it's a super painful thing to go through. And it's really challenging when you think somebody should be grieving a certain way mm-hmm. or showing their emotion in a certain way. And and you're showing it different than them. And you're like, are you even grieving? Like, what's wrong with you? How can you just go back to work and everything's just fine? And you go to the cemetery and you don't cry. And, you know, all these things that I thought about him. Yeah. And my specific memory is like, we went to the cemetery and I just bawled my eyes out on a holiday and we left and he had not shed a tear. He hadn't. And I was just like, I got so mad at him. I'm like, why aren't you crying? Why don't you cry? Like, what's wrong with you almost? And he was like, just because I'm not crying doesn't mean I'm not sad. I don't show my emotions like you on the outside. Mm -hmm. And it was a big eye opener for me that my husband grieves in a very, very different way than me. Um, and he's going to change in ways from this experience and way, like, just like I have changed, I can't expect him to be the same person because I'm not the same person. Um, and when we can have compassion for each other and now like another example is like, I, when I was sad or crying, like I shared with him every thought that was going through my head, all my thoughts about her, everything I'm missing. And when he would get to like that, he would not share a thing. And I wanted to know what was he thinking? What, yeah. what was he thinking about? I wanted to hear his memories of her and you know, what was making him so sad and, and he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And now I don't need that. I just will sit with him and do, you know, hold him and be there for him. And he doesn't need to say a thing to me and that's okay. I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to. It's like totally completely okay with me because I know that's how he grieves. And so it's by far the hardest thing we've ever been through. And I think it, it challenges you to have very, very, very hard conversations. Yeah. Um, which is a gift in a marriage because we need to be able to have hard conversations. The harder conversations you have, the deeper connection you can have. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been like exceptionally beautiful for us in our marriage after it, like, I can't even describe how horrible it was for a while, for a time. Um, for us, divorce has never been an option, mm-hmm. but if it was like, I, I can only imagine that, we would have. It was so hard. 
But then now when we have worked through it and we've had those hard conversations and we've really like, it's been so much work mm. and I just feel like I, I'm so grateful for our relationship mm. for that depthness and that connection and that we know that we can get through really hard things together. Yeah. It's beautiful. You're right. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine that there are people who go through deep grief or maybe it's a stage and everyone goes through this where they just want to be isolated. Um, can you share a little bit about the impact or importance of community, family, just having people around you through that journey? Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of speak to both because I think that that feeling of isolation is like a form of protection. Yeah. And I think it's important as well for the griever to honor that. Mm. So it's important to, like, I just, I just actually hosted a retreat and one of the moms was sharing that she, you know, has had a lot of depression and she just, she's like, I don't care. I don't care to be with people. I don't need to be with people. Um, And she's like, she's like, but I know this isn't going to last forever. Mm. And that's the key difference is when you, you know, this is a period of time and you let yourself be there for that period of time. Mm. And if it goes on for, you know, I can't even, I'm not going to give a time amount where you decide that, okay, something has to change because this is not the way I want to live anymore. Um, But like, it's for me, I like shrunk my circle down to like my very close friends and my family. Okay. Um, but they were a very supportive community for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I had zero interest in talking with anybody about fluff, about light conversations, um, about things that didn't matter. I, I wanted to be with people who I knew, who I loved, who I knew loved me and who I could talk about Aria. I could talk about my grief. Like literally my friends were amazing. They let me talk about her and what I was going through. Like I never had, not once did anybody tell me, you know, this is too much or, okay, when are you going to move on? Or, you know, like not from my close friends, not from my family. They were so amazing. And so like that community and connection and support with others is like, it definitely is necessary. So that's where I speak to that side of it. Like when you isolate yourself like, it, I think you need to allow yourself to do that. It's part of, like, the depression side of it. You just don't care. You don't care about seeing other people. You don't care about visit. You don't care about it. It's just, like, there's nothing else that matters anymore. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that's a part where you just need to allow yourself to be there. But also, we can get, you know, cycle down into, like, nobody understands me. This I'm the only one who's experiencing this. Nobody's ever gone through this before. Um, and you, when you sit in your own head like that without any outside voices or outside support, you can go to a really dark place and really dark thoughts and really um, like a really, I say, bad place. Yeah. And um, one thing I would say is like there is nothing like support from other grieving moms um who have experienced it and i i know some people have gone to like 
support groups and they've just not found that that's the place for them because it feels more negative than positive. It's a lot of uh, venting and complaining and, you know, like really dumping everybody's stuff on each other. And that feels really heavy. Um, And so like I'd offer my own community that I have called Grieving Moms Haven where it's really a place of like healing and support and love and compassion and connection where you can share and you're not going to be judged and everything you're feeling is okay. But then how also can we support that, you know, where you're at right now? What can we do to help in that moment? And also like acknowledging that there's nothing wrong with you for grieving. There's nothing wrong with you because you're feeling the way you are. You don't need to be fixed and you're not broken. It's just, how can you support your experience so that you can find a place of calm or peace or healing in whatever way you want in your life? Um, but to like seek that support and help or read books or listen to podcasts, I have a mm-hmm. podcast called Gravy Moms Podcast, listen to other people's stories and, and even filling your mind with um people who have lived through really, really hard things that have survived, but not just surviving, that they are living and thriving and they have so much joy in their life. And like, for me, that was what I needed. I saw Mm -hmm. other people who are further along in the journey. And I was like, if they can do it, so can I, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not there right now. And I don't need to be there right now. I can, but it gives me hope that someday I might be able to laugh without feeling guilt. That someday I might be able to look to my future. Like Mm -hmm. when you lose your child, you don't want to look to your future because in your future, they're still dead. So for me, I like, I'm excited about my future. I have a lot of joy in my future. And that was not always that way Mm -hmm. because you didn't even, you know, you could hardly get through the next moment. And so to hear from other people, what's possible and what could be true for you can give you maybe the strength to take that one extra step today and to, you know, reach out for help and to do the things you need to do to, to, to really survive this. Yeah. Yeah. You've spoken a little bit about, you know, the EMDR, your therapy coaching. Um, Tell me a little bit more about what you found I know like mindfulness is a big part of your mm-hmm. coaching um, and probably your healing journey. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I first started coaching, I first started coaching more from the top down um, type of model where you're like noticing your thoughts and how your thoughts create a lot of suffering and um, the thoughts you think. And as I've worked with grief, I've really realized that that's not always the best route for grief, okay. that um, really supporting grief from the bottom up, pro- or like bottom up approach is a lot more helpful and useful um, because, I, because of the nature of child loss. Like I, I'm, I can't, you know, tell somebody if they're feeling a lot of guilt and they having thoughts of like how I could have or should have changed it and be like, you know, to be like, oh, just think something different. That doesn't help. They're like, no, I still feel guilt. And the nature of what I've seen with many moms is like, um, that 
energy of that emotion is going to come up in almost every person's body. They'll have different circumstances, different thoughts that they, the reasons why they're feeling that emotion, but the emotion is the same. Say anger, like they'll have different reasons for feeling anger. Maybe it's directed at God. Maybe it's directed at their child. Maybe it's directed at a person. Maybe it's directed at a situation, like whatever it is, but the, the underlying thing of it all is the anger, the thoughts, the circumstances, everything else can change. And so it's really meeting them from that anger part of it and feeling, allowing the anger, number one, Mm. whatever emotion it is, guilt or anger and feeling it and fully being present with it and processing it. Mm. So I do this through um, tapping meditation. Um, This has been incredible. If you don't know what tapping is, it's like a a sequence of tapping points that you tap on your body that are kind of like, think of like acupressure, meridian points that help move energy in your body. Um, But you also speak out the thoughts that you really don't want to think that you might think um, are stupid or you think you're bad for thinking them, Mm. whatever they are, you allow those to be there, to bring them up, to feel the emotion that comes with those thoughts And then you kind of do like a process of letting them go. And then you tap in a lighter, like the things that you want to focus on, you know, the things we try to be like, no, I don't want to think that I want to think this. Mm -hmm. We try to do that without allowing ourselves to feel without what that. Yeah. We try to just like skip that part. I'm like, no, we have to feel it. You can't skip the feeling part. (laughs) And so you feel the negative, quote unquote, and then you allow in like what you want to focus on, what you want to believe, where you want your thoughts to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes like just letting all of like, like po- I'll say some positive thoughts I a lot of times have are like, it's okay for me to be here. I don't have to be anywhere else, but right here, you know, my grief is a normal natural response to loss. Um, the feel. I'm allowing myself to feel all of the emotions of grief, like all of those things. I I get to carry my child forward with me, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things that are just like, they feel really good for a grieving mom to know that, you know, she doesn't have to be somewhere different than she is. Um, there's nothing wrong with her. She's not broken. Um, but so that's one thing, um, breath work I do. Um, so this is a really powerful way to skip out of your mind and get into your body. Um, it's almost like a, I've been trying to think of what I would call it. It's like a on off switch that you can have with your brain to tell, like communicate with your brain, like, you know, what kind of state you want to be in. Mm-hmm. So it's like a way of telling your, your brain I'm safe because of the way you're breathing. If you think about it, when you're sleeping at night, notice your breath. Yeah, It's long inhales deep, you know, slow breaths, your body's calm. And then you have a panic attack. What's your breath like? Yeah. You know, your breath shows a lot and tells your body a lot about what's going on about outside of you. Mm. And so if you can use your breath to slow it down, you can bring your body out of a state of panic and stress and fear. Um, Like just at the retreat, one of the moms said, it's amazing what you can believe when you're, you know, in the breath work, when I say these things, she's like, wow, that was so easy to believe when you were saying, it. you know, but that's because your body's in a relaxed state and it's eat, you're more receptive to believing these um, things like it's going to be okay. 
Um, and to know, like to feel that in your body after your child has died is a huge gift. Mm. Um, and then I do mindfulness uh, meditations that are like specifically for helping them process an emotion. So helping them learn how to feel the emotion, learning how to uh, know what it looks like in their body, what it feels like, the sensations, the temperature, where it is, um, because it's can be really hard to feel your emotions. Like moms will say, it's just too painful. You know, somebody told me to go set a timer for five minutes a day and go let myself feel my emotions. She's like, I couldn't. Yeah, I can't. It's too much. And I'm like, this is where these meditations come in mm-hmm. to guide you through it. And then I don't just leave you there in that pain. Then I help bring you back out of it and ground you again afterwards. So it's not just like, a, oh, my gosh, now it's here. And now I'm stuck in it. Yeah. It's like, OK, we feel it. We allow it. We be with it. And then we soften it and we breathe it out and we come back to a place of like calm and grounded. Um. And the reason why I'm so passionate about these types of things is we have to feel our feelings. We have to feel the emotions. It is just non-negotiable in grief. Um, When we don't, it shows up in our bodies through sickness. It shows up in our bodies through anxiety and depression and panic attacks and trauma and all of these things. Like it just comes out in ways that you would never choose it comes out sideways and a lot of times when we don't like I've worked with many moms where this has happened and it's just this is just the way their grief journey has gone but they reach a quote-unquote rock bottom point Mm. um where they're like okay something has to change I can't push this away anymore because it's no longer working for me um like I have to learn how to feel this because my health is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. I can't work anymore. You know, my relationship with my other kids is destroyed. Like all these things, this is what our emotions do to us. This is what grief can do to us. If we don't learn how to feel it, we don't learn how to be with it. And part of that feeling it is also not making it mean anything about us or about other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so often we make what we're feeling mean something about, you know, that person is dumb because they made me angry. Yeah. I'm like, well, you can feel angry and it also doesn't mean anything about that person. So true. And so, yeah, these, these are just so amazing to help process the emotions through that. Like even take out, oh, sorry, I, I'm just talking and talking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, like, say when we're talking about guilt, a lot of people will say, don't feel guilt. It wasn't your fault. Mm. But then when you take this and I'm like, yeah, I don't believe it was your fault, but that's not going to take away the guilt, that emotion of guilt. And so a lot of times when I can guide moms through feeling the guilt, allowing it, like even honoring the thoughts that they're having and holding space for that, they can begin to let go of the guilt because they felt it and they've made space for it. And then at some point they can decide you know what? I don't deserve to feel this guilt anymore. Mm. It's actually not something I need to hold on to. And when they are ready, they can let go of it. It's not for somebody else to tell them that it's time for you to let go of that guilt. It wasn't your fault. Even though we want to, as an outsider, we, we don't want our loved ones to be in pain, Right. but it's just a process that you have to go through when you're grieving. And so it, the, the mindfulness, like approach of it, really helps you 
I would say, work through those emotions quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of times we think when we shove them down, like, oh no, I can't feel that. I'm just going to shove it down. But there's that phrase, like when you resist, it persists and it just stays longer. It actually gets more intense. Yeah. Um, it gets more painful. You cycle more, you spin more. Um, it just really is horrific. And then when you can allow yourself to feel the emotion actually goes a lot quicker through you. It doesn't last as long. It's not as intense. So many times moms are like, wow, that wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. You know, like when I guide them through, they're like, okay, I had so much fear about feeling this emotion. But when you guided me through it, I was like, oh, I guess it's okay. Like I can feel that emotion. Yeah, It's going to like, it's okay for me to feel this and it's not going to kill me. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. You know, it's going to kill you. And it's just, it's just so incredible. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. So these meditations and all these, like, is that women can access that through your retreats or are those available elsewhere? So inside of Gravy Mom's Haven, um, I have a ton of recordings okay. that are, they're all specific to child loss, okay. um, tapping meditation specific to anger and child loss and guilt and child loss and the holidays coming up, you know, like. All of these things that that we experience that are very unique to child loss, mm. um, they're all in there. And then I also do calls um, a couple times a month where we do it live. So I guide them through different meditations and they have time to talk and share and talk about, you know, what it felt like in their bodies and communicate in that way. Um, and then inside of Grieving Mount Haven, there's also tons of other stuff, workshops and a course, Life After Child Loss program. But then at my retreat, it's a whole nother level. It's a like whole nother level of, you know, holding that space, getting away from your busy daily life and coming to this place where you feel a lot of peace and calm and really focusing on your grief, Mm -hmm. focusing on your child, being able to talk about them. Um, But I do have um, in January coming up uh, like a group style coaching I I don't, I don't just love to call it coaching because it's more like guidance mm-hmm. um but where we're going to do that for three months and then do a retreat afterwards wow so we'll really dive deep and do a lot of journaling and meditation and like where I will have sometimes in grief it can feel like you need somebody to show you step by step you show you the way like we all want like a step-by-step guide mm-hmm. and this is going to be like as much as I can give that is to help them step-by-step guide through their own specific journey Mm -hmm. and then have a retreat at the end. So those are the things I do and where they can get, you know, those different types of support and help. And I want to have it accessible to, you know, there's different levels depending on what kind of depth and duration you're looking for, you know, but. Yeah. For people listening who maybe haven't had their own, um, big loss or deep grieving process, but maybe it's been a friend or a family member. Mm-hmm. How can we best support the people in our lives that we love that are that are grieving? There's a few things that come to mind immediately. One is to don't leave, mm-hmm. um, don't disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be very painful to sit with somebody who's grieving if you're very uncomfortable with the emotions. If you're if you're very too uncomfortable with your own emotions that you can't sit with somebody else in it, mm. um, 
And I would encourage you to learn how to get comfortable with your own emotions so you can sit with them. Because when you leave your friend because of your own pain and emotion inside of you, because it's too uncomfortable, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to act, you don't want to mess up, you're leaving them in the time they need you the most. And I promise you, they will notice. It will not go unnoticed by them. Mm. And um, the other thing is that to not try to fix them. Um, try not to, I know it's painful to see them in pain. It's hard to see them sad, but you can't fix it. You can't fix the fact that their child's dead. Can't change that fact. Um, like I, I can't really give a, like a, um, what to say and what not to say, because everybody responds so differently to things, you know, things affect people in different ways, but I know the number one thing that you should not say if your sentence starts with at least just zip it. Don't even say it. Don't start with, because you think that you're giving comfort, but really what you're doing is negating their pain. Mm -hmm. You are like, you're like, at least, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is trying to shift the focus from how painful this is for me to try and make it better when you can't make it better. You can't fix that their child died. Mm -hmm. And so really allowing the pain to be there without needing to fix it, mm. um, without needing to change it, without needing to fix them, mm. um, is one of the biggest gifts you could give your friend. Um, that's two things that come to mind. And then one other quick thing is like, we always say like, oh, well, let me know if you need help. Mm. A grieving person does not know what they need. They, they've never done this before. They don't know how to react. They don't know what they need. They're so confused in their own head. They don't know how to tell somebody and communicate what they need. And so things that would help are like communicating ideas to them or offers and then letting them decide if they want that or not. Okay. Um, or even like one example I'd heard is like, texting them saying I'm dropping off supper on your doorstep tonight it's going to be there I'll pick it up tomorrow if it's not eaten like it's not a big deal like you don't take offense as if, if they take your help or not mm -hmm. which can be so easy to do if you're like I'm trying to help and they won't do it well you help in the ways that you can and they'll know that you love them because you're trying but it's just like don't put that, like you can feel a pressure mm. um, to accept people's help when it might not be the thing that they need, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, makes sense. Yeah. like all of a sudden they have a weight, another weight added on to their grief, trying to make sure that you feel okay. It's like, no, don't put that on them. Yeah. Just let them take what they need and leave the rest and you help in whatever way you can. And don't, you know, help in the ways you can, mm. you know, like allow yourself to help in those ways and then know that there can be other people who can help in the other ways that you can. Um, so, or that you can't. Yeah. So yeah, just stepping up and doing things and taking care of things. Um, but I would always ask them first and check in with them and make sure it's okay. Just because for example, like cleaning their house, um, you don't know what is going to be the thing that means the most to them. You might see, uh, you know, a, 
a cereal box that's half empty and that to them represents the last cereal that their child ate, you might throw it away and that they might save that forever. Like you don't know those things or the dust on the table. You're like, Oh, I'll clean this up. Well, their child's fingerprints might've been in there. Mm. Like, so just checking in with them is always helpful, but also offering ideas and saying how you can help, um, is much needed because they can't even think straight themselves to know what they need. Oh, thank you for that. That is helpful. I just want to give you an opportunity. If there's one last myth about grieving or just something that you haven't really touched on that you want to share. You don't move on. Mm. I think people have this vision of like, you move on or, you know, like other people in your lives kind of forget about, oh yeah, you did have a child die. I forgot about that. It's like, well, I didn't forget about it. You never move on and don't ever try to push somebody to move on or to be better or Mm. whatever. Like it changes you on so many levels and you just, you, you just, you don't move on. And one thing I say is like, you carry your child forward with you. You yeah. carry their memory and their life. And you get to be as the mom, you get to be the person who um, speaks their name and te- you know shares about them and talks about them with other people. Yeah. Um, but you don't ever move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a way you're honoring Ariana, all of this work that you're doing just I know the people listening can't see it but the smile that she flashes is just so like it's enough to move me to tears because it's really beautiful thank you yeah thank you it's it's a joy to do this and I you know like I wish that I didn't learn it this way you know I I would have it like changed my whole trajectory of my life right I didn't see I would have never guessed this is what I'm doing I was so uncomfortable with grief I was so uncomfortable with emotions I was so uncomfortable with hard conversations <laughs> like everything I'm doing is the opposite of what I was what a journey and so it's like it's changed my life in so many ways but I'm also so grateful for what I get to do and also how it's changed me to be able to hold the space and to be in my mind, a better person, um, in so many ways and to love people on a different level. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I'm really grateful for it. Mm -hmm. Ariel's taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't know you before, but I can definitely Mm -hmm. see the beauty it radiates in the way that you're (laughs) able to help. It's, it's really, really beautiful. Um, for people listening, where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about the retreats and everything? Where can they find you? Yeah. So everything will be at meganhillica.com. Um, I guess Gravy Moms Haven, you can go to gravymomshaven.com. That is uh, only open a few times a year, or a few times, like not, you know, not all the time. So you'd have to join the waiting list for that. Okay. But coming up in November on the 21st through the 23rd, I'm hosting a free workshop retreat type thing called Surviving the Holidays. Um, so it's really to help you if you're dreading the holidays, you just want to go to sleep and wake up in January, a way to help you kind of get grounded before the holidays. Um, I'm going to do meditations. I'm going to do teachings, tappings, breath work, all of that kind of stuff on those three days. Um, and if you want to join that, you go to reliefandgriefsupportgroup.com. Um, and then 
I have a podcast called Gravy Moms Podcast. You can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts or on my website, meganhelica.com. And then the last thing is um, my Instagram is Cultivated Family. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. So I share about our travels and then about Aria and grief. Okay. Um, the retreat coming up before the holidays, is that virtual or is that? Yep. Okay. yep. So it's a free online virtual event that will be like one hour each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, thank you. I just, I really can't thank you enough. I've learned so much today. I've been encouraged and inspired and I'm believing that there's a lot of women that are, are listening that have felt the same thing through this conversation. So I'm grateful for you stepping into the space, the boldness, the vulnerability, just all of it. Really, really grateful for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I just have to let my kids are banging on the garage door. So if you can hear them, I'm sorry. That's what that noise is. But like, seriously, I can't thank you enough for even holding this space and allowing me to have this conversation it can be so uncomfortable for people. So Thank you for, for having this conversation and really opening it up to your audience because so many women are grieving and I really appreciate it. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review They really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village, and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.